Welcome back to the Unrest Podcast. I'm Caitlin Stansel. And I'm Madeline Green. If you haven't already subscribed to the Unrest Podcast, make sure you do so wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date on all of our real life haunts. So this week we have two real life haunts. One was sent in anonymously in an email and it's a really great happy ghost story. And the other was a really great interview that Caitlin got for us. So we'll start with the happy one. Take a listen. My papa was a Vietnam veteran and suffered from severe PTSD. Lots of things could cause a flashback from a pot dropping on the floor, a car backfiring in a parking lot, or a helicopter flying overhead. He was also exposed to Agent Orange and battled cancer for as long as I can remember. When he died, he only had half of a lung on each side and was still fighting cancer in other areas of his body. He took a lot of medication multiple times a day, but he was still a wonderful grandfather. He made sure I understood my worth, not just as a girl, but as a human. He also made sure that I knew how to defend myself. And once he got too sick to leave the house much, he bought a video camera so that I could record all of my performances, softball games, and school ceremonies so that he could still see it all. Obviously, the two of us were extremely close, but by five, I knew what to do when he was having a flashback and what medicine to give him and when. We were close enough that 90% of the time, I was the only one who could bring him back to the present during a flashback. Other family members used to yell and tell my mama to keep me away from him during these episodes, but she'd always tell them to hush and that he wasn't going to hurt me, and he never did. Another favorite thing of my papa's were white bulldogs. He absolutely adored them, and they were always named Fred, even when he had three of them at once. They were all Fred. It became a running joke in the family with my uncles, no longer calling him dad, but instead Fred, and he often returned the favor. At family gatherings, once everyone had arrived, all you'd hear for a few minutes was, Hiya, Fred. How's it going, Fred? Where are the kids, Fred? I wasn't talking to you, Fred. I was talking to Fred. As kids, that used to crack my cousins and I up. And for other reasons, you could see the women roll their eyes and walk away grumbling. This is important to the ghost part of my story. My papa passed when I was 18. My mom and I were at a horrible time in our relationship, and she refused to let me go to the VA hospital to tell him goodbye. We all knew he was dying, and he knew it too. The day he died, I was in my room destroying everything because my mom refused to let me go. I felt a hand on my shoulder, and when I turned, my papa was standing there, smiling, healthier than I'd ever seen him. He smiled wider and said, Did you think I'd leave without saying goodbye? And then I heard the phone ring, and I knew it was my mama calling to say he was gone. Fast forward nine years, and my son had just turned two and was playing with some toys in his room. I could hear him talking, but it was more like a conversation, not just playing. I went in and saw him laughing and asked him who he was talking to. At first, all he would say was friend, but after a minute or two of pushing, he finally looked at me and said, Fred. At this point, he'd refused to even look at Big Hero 6. I froze because while I'd seen my papa many times over the years... I'd never really talked to him with my son, and we certainly didn't have any friends with that name. I asked him what Fred looked like, and he held up one of his army guy toys and said like this, but old. 
I didn't say anything else. I was emotional, but mostly happy that my son got to meet my papa. Over the next week, he continued to play with Fred. I asked once why I couldn't see him, and my son said, for me only. That night, I took a picture of my grandparents out of the back of my wallet and laid it on the table. The next day, while my son was eating breakfast, he spotted the picture and snatched it up, yelling, Fred. He did eventually stop playing with Fred and never said anything about it. Three and a half years later, we had my daughter, and my son mentioned Fred a couple of times, and life continued. When my daughter turned two, she also began playing with Fred, but she called him Fred Pop-Pop. Pop-Pop is what my kids call my dad. She told me one day that he was my Pop-Pop. What makes this all even better for me is that three of my cousins, I have way too many cousins, but I'm only really close with some of them now, have also talked about their children playing with Fred. And we love it because when we started having kids, we all wished that he'd been there to meet them. I still see my papa in the house from time to time, but he mostly just walks around and looks in on my kids and then smiles and leaves. Then a few days later, one of my cousins will message me saying that Fred stopped in for a visit. So now it's our joke that he's just making the rounds, checking in on everyone. First of all, this story literally brought a tear to my eyes. Um, I've lost both of my grandfathers, so... Um, and grandmothers now the other day I was telling my dad about it I was like you know reminiscing on my papa junior who was just like full of life such a great personality and we were just talking about him being at a barrel race and how he would just pull up in his old car and like just park (laughs) right there and they'd have snacks and stuff you'd be walking around and he'd just like roll down the window and be like hey (laughs) you know so this brought a tear to my eye thinking about how great our grandparents Especially ones like that, too. I mean, that story was just so sweet. And I love that whole, like, Fred connection. And then the picture, like, just validating all of it, too. So awesome. And I think what's neat about this story is usually it's one kid and one family member. But this one, Fred visited all the cousins. And it was like a thing, like she said, you know, he's just making his rounds, checking on the family. And I just love that. So sweet and just, yeah, awesome that they have that connection with him that even they probably, you know, weren't really aware of at the beginning, but we'll look back on so fondly. Right. So tell us a little bit about our next real life haunt. Ooh, this is a good one. This one comes from Andrew, who I interviewed. And Andrew's actually from upstate South Carolina, or that's where he currently lives. Um, Represent. Yes. Shout out to the upstate. He's a paranormal investigator, and I was very intrigued by that because you have a lot of experiences in that field of work. But he talks about what sort of got him into the paranormal. Take a listen. My name's Andrew Lipscomb. I'm 45. I was born in West Virginia, currently moved and now living in South Carolina. The house I lived in uh, was in Belpre, Ohio. And it, it does have some history with, you know, slaves and the Underground Railroad. My parents bought this huge house probably back in 1992, where, where my father worked was at a chemical plant. And it was actually, the house was on the chemical plant's property. So the deal was, if you bought the house, you had to get it moved. I mean, the company helped pay for it and all that. Uh, so we did. My father hired a company that, you know, came in and started doing the excavation under the house, getting it ready. And stuff like that. What was interesting about the house was that the 
it, it had a separate foundation underneath of it. Workers actually had to dig down further than what they thought. Under that foundation was just these huge limestones. But the way the limestones were set up looked like little tiny rooms, almost like a, a living area, you know, little bedrooms. So that was kind of interesting. When they got the house up on wheels, jacked up and all that, you know, the, the moving company for insurance purposes, we were taking, you know, pictures of the whole process. Uh, when they started moving the house actually down the road, it was actually incredible to see. Had to go, through, you know, through cornfields and all that. Some of the pictures that they submitted to us, there you could actually see shadow figures still in the windows while the house was being driven down the road. Uh, when we got the house finally set where it was at in Belpre, you know, just had to go in, set, set it down, get a new foundation, all that poured up, uh, started doing renovations inside the house. The house has, well, has two fireplaces. One's an actual fireplace with a chimney. The other one is a fake fireplace. So my father and I kind of gutted that out. While we were gutting that out, we, thought we noticed there's actually a trap door that led from the underneath the house through the fireplace and went up through the room that you could go in through the rooms of the house. Well, at least one, you know, one wall. It was actually kind of unique uh, to see that. I'd never seen that before. So really, you know, lived in that house for years, never thought anything about it uh, until it, at one point it was a three-story house. Usually about 3 a.m. we would start to hear what sounded like people running up and down the steps. I mean, there was, three, like I say, three floors, so it was three flights of stairs. You'd hear something running up and running down. The more I would think about it, it, was, it would be the sound of, like, kids running up and down stairs. Just that, dun, 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 to get to the top, and then it would be quiet. You'd hear them kind of run across the ceiling, which was in the what we call the bonus attic room. you hear that running back and forth and running down the stairs. Unfortunately, I wish I was able to actually capture it on video, audio or something but it just was kind of like still new to me about paranormal experience and all that so i was like i'm not gonna mess with it i don't know what's gonna happen let them do their thing so i don't i couldn't tell if it'd be like a residual haunting or nothing really like poltergeist wise because nothing was really ever moved or destroyed or displaced so i'd say it might have just been residual just you know they used to run up down those stairs when they were growing up and they were still there so they still use them you know, that's what kind of got me interested in the paranormal. I've been a, you know, paranormal investigator, loving the paranormal stuff, doing everything I can since that. I think that's what really sparked my interest. Still, you know, that's the only thing we heard, never saw anything. Uh, a few months later, after living in the house, I started noticing, you know, out the corner of my eye, what I thought was shadow people or just figuring my imagination. Almost like a black mass, like you can see the outline of the body, you know, head, shoulders, arms, legs, no facial features. Usually when people talk about shadow people, there's the, the man with the hat has always been brought up in, in topics. Um, basically just, you know, just like I said, a silhouette, a figure, but it was just a black mass. Almost see through it, but not all the way through. Didn't really acknowledge it until, you know, one day when I was laying in my bed, turned off the TV late at night. The room still had that glow from the TV, one of the old TVs. And as soon as I turned it off, an actual shadow figure walks from one side of the room in front of the TV in through my closet. So then I started looking at the history of the house. Couldn't find much history on it. You know, so I just kind of like, well, maybe I was still imagining it. I had a waterbed at the time. And one night when I was asleep, I felt something pushed down real hard on the edge of the waterbed. Kind of, you know, woke me up. Uh, looked out the corner of my eye and I actually saw probably about 10 to 12 small little, I would say, figures. Not shadow people. But about, you know, four feet tall. Uh, but they're all just kind of like standing there watching me sleep. 
So that's when it kind of clicked, you know, well, these have got to be children. Maybe the original house that was there was part of that Underground Railroad because there is ties to the Underground Railroad in that area. So it was just really unique to see and experience that. After I left and went to college, my younger brother was still living there at the time. And he would start asking me if I ever seen a little boy with a red ball. And I said, no. He's like, well, I've seen this little red, little boy with a red ball. Usually at night, my brother would catch a glimpse of him out the corner of his eye, playing with the ball, bouncing it up down the stairs. So I had to tell him my experiences. And that's when he opened up and told me his experiences because he was afraid to say anything. Uh, we both kind of mentioned it to our father. And our father's like, well, yeah, have you seen the white lady yet? So then it was just, oh, what, what is going on? So, uh, so after you mentioned the white lady, then it was like I would start seeing her. She would usually be standing in my parents' bedroom, kind of in the doorway. Uh, the way the house was set up, you would go up one flight of stairs. To the left was my bedroom. To the right was a hallway, kind of open up to a grand room. And then at the back end of that was my parents' bedroom. So walking from my bedroom to the, my bathroom, you had to walk a little um, across the way. And every time I would walk at night and look, she would be standing there. But yeah, my dad has a lot of stories. I have a lot of stories, but we sold the house, you know, job location, all that. My dad still owns the house. He rents it out, but he's had problems trying to keep renters in there because they just kind of move out. They said they don't like staying there because of what they're experiencing. Now, you know, during that time I was open and I kind of told the spirits, whatever it was, you know, I won't mess with you. You don't need to mess with me. We can cohabitat. And everything was fine. Um, we had a lady who would come once a week to help clean the house because it was such a huge house. Both my parents worked. I was away for school. My brother was, you know, in high school. Uh, she quit within a month because she said every time she would vacuum, something would unplug the vacuum. So she thought maybe it's just, you know, the cord wasn't long enough until she'd go on the second floor and would feel tugs or pokes like kind of at the base of her legs, like where a child would be, the height of a child. You know, just kind of poking at her, tugging at her shirt. So she quit. We hired another cleaning lady. She lasted a couple more months and then kind of quit for the same reasons. Um, she's, you know, it was, it's a nice house. She didn't feel scared or threatened. It was just a little bit too much because she'd be the only person in the house cleaning and stuff would happen. So that's, yeah, that, that's the experience I had growing up. You know, I was, because my father's eight hours away, that's a long drive. I do try to plan to whenever I can go back and view the house and hear more stories. I know he said some of the renters will still keep in contact with him and ask him, you know, has anyone else seen the kid with the red ball or has anyone else experienced A, B or C? So it's just really unique to, to live with that. Another experience mm -hmm. I had back in 2011, uh, I worked for a pharmaceutical company and kind of had a incident where I inhaled some, whatever the product was uh, through cross-contamination, and I actually suffered a heart attack from it. Very scary. So I was in the, you know, rush to the hospital, rush to emergency room, rush to ICU. Uh, one night while I was, you know, still kind of in pain, because I didn't know I was having a heart attack. I thought it was just like acid reflux. But I remember laying in the ICU, probably about 2 or 3 in the morning. That's usually the hour when stuff happens. I could hear something actually walk, kind of shuffle, into the room I was at, um, it what sounded like someone in slippers and like a walker. I could hear the shuffling. I couldn't see anything because it was still dark and I was still kind of doped up on medicine. But I could hear them walk across the room. It felt like they stopped at the foot of my bed 
and then kept walking and sat in the chair that was in the corner for I don't know how long. Um, <laughs> I was just kind of out of it. So could have been five minutes. It could have been an hour. Uh, but then I could hear them get up again and walk closer to the edge of the bed where I was laying. But at that point, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to sleep. I don't need this right now. <laughs> I've already had a you know, heart issue. I don't need anything more. But just kind of, you know, to me, it's been unique experiences. You know, I'm open to the paranormal. I'm open to communicate. And I'm sure that there are spirits who need to tell their story or need help crossing over. And so I've always been open to it. Uh, my wife, not so much. You know, she says, it's your ghost. You do your thing. My goal is still, you know, that that whole I want to believe that that hope that there's something out there after we pass. Um, my mission is always to try to be as helpful as possible, as friendly as possible, very respectful. You know, we don't know much about the other side, so we I need to treat it with respect. The cool, you know, I've I've gotten pictures. Uh, the coolest thing was the group I was with. We went down to I believe it was Savannah, Georgia, for an investigation at the Blue Moon Brewery Company. And that's been featured on, I know, the Travel Channel with a couple of the Ghost Hunter shows because we saw them, you know, on the wall where they had written their little message and their signatures. Um, so, you know, just doing a regular investigation. I didn't catch anything photo-wise. I did a lot of EB, EVP recordings. And then, you know, later on that night, I played everything back at a high volume and you actually captured a lot of interesting responses to questions. The one voice sounded evil. Um, just had a real, just nasty voice to it, uh, in my, in its response to my questions. And then it was in that same room where as soon as I left that room, another lady that was with us on the team started feeling like she was being choked. So she had to immediately leave. So I was like, oh, okay, well that explains that <laughs> to me, you'll hear weird noises. You might get, if you go to a place and try to investigate, if you get pulled or, or poked or whatever, to me, that's almost the spirits, at least letting you know that they're there. They might not know the best way. It's hard for a ghost to say, hey, hi, I'm friendly. My name is, you know, Charles. I'm not here to hurt you. Uh, you know, it's all about the energy and the atmosphere. You know, take it as, as a sign of they, they want to reach out. They want to connect. They want to communicate. They're just doing their best, and they don't really know how because, you know, to have a, a full apparition just show up and try to talk to you, that's going to scare the life out of anybody. You know, my dad's family grew up in West Virginia, so we had all those woods and Yes, one of my cousins is one of the ones that made that um, mountain monster TV shows where they're out hunting Bigfoot. I thought that's one of my cousins. I'm like, well, that explains a lot. Being out in the woods in that area in West Virginia, heard like a growl that I knew was not an animal that I'm familiar with. There's been a couple times I could feel that I'm being stalked by something, but it wasn't like a four-legged animal. It was more of like something standing upright. To me, I didn't think anything about Bigfoot or another hunter in the woods. It was just, it was just eerie. You know, the whole area was quiet and it had a kind of like what some people say that it felt real dense, like the, the air was heavy, just made me feel uncomfortable. So I just kind of respectfully said, I'm in your area and I apologize. I'm getting up to leave. Doing the, the investigations, yes, I felt those cold spots that people talk about. You know, we see temperature changes. So it's just, it's unique and awesome to feel that experience and be able to talk about it to those who, you know, kind of believe the non-believer is like, well, temperature change, weather, air conditioning. I I love, you know, hearing people talk, try to debunk things. The group I was in, we debunked a lot of stuff that people see on TV because number one, they need the ratings. So they're going to have to do something to keep the ratings. So, you know, the team I was with, it was a great team. They were in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And then we went through like how to debunk the stuff that they show on TV, you know, how to make the 
uh, EMP go up, you know, how to show a spike in the K, K2 meter, you know, stuff like that. So very knowledgeable, which is what I love because it explained to even people who didn't want to join but wanted to come to our meetings to say, hey, this is what we do versus what you see on TV, you know. Here's how to debunk some of the stuff you see on TV. If you're in an old house, old wiring, yeah, you might get headaches. It's not from a spirit. It could be just from faulty wiring. So it's really, really unique to do that. Just kind of, you know, to share that with people. I guess just, just believe, you know, know that there are things that we cannot explain and not all of them are malevolent and evil. There are some good ones out there that could be stuck, uh, could be here to help someone to maybe they need help sending out a message or telling their story. So always just be open uh, to listen. You know, be someone to listen, write it down, take recordings, take pictures, uh, share your story. Of course, you know, I love history. And the fact that it could be related to the Underground Railroad is just really interesting. It reminds me, do you remember when libraries were a thing and you could go and like rent stuff at the library? Do people um, even do that anymore? There's still libraries. We have one being built. But like people still go and like rent stuff. I don't know. Either way. My mom uses it, obviously. (laughs) My mom used to take us and like you could rent movies. Now, I was all about the Nancy Drew movies. I don't know if you remember Mm -hmm. those, but loved those. Well, there was also this movie that I picked up at the library and it was called The House of Dyes Drear. And it was like literally kind of about sound really familiar. I'm pretty sure it was a book too, maybe. Maybe that's why. But I remember watching it as a kid and it scared the living shit out of me. But it's about this family that moves into this house and they hear noises under like ground. Anyway, it happens that they actually were. It It was the underground. But it was like this old man was living down there. Either way, I remember being terrified. And that's what the story kind of reminds me of. It was a really great, great movie. So if you want to watch it, go for it. I'd watch it again, but I'd probably be scared. There's some good actors in it. But, like, this is why I was scared, because this is the man that was living under it. Can you see him? Oh, jeez. <laughs> like, it's summer. I'm watching it, and it gets a little creepy. At this point, I'm, like, wandering the house. Like, where is my mom? And she's not in the house. And so, like, now I'm outside. Where is mom? Because this movie is scaring me, but I want to finish the movie. <laughs> what I love is that this movie is from 1984. <laughs> And this was the one that you chose at the library to watch. Not like the new age movie there. Like but the best part is like, that's just me. Yes. I've been destined to be, be a, be a weirdo. Podcast <laughs> yeah. Because like, I think of even as a little tiny kid, I had, I loved the Berenstein Bears books, but my favorite of them was when they went ha- trick or treating, not Christmas, not Thanksgiving. They went trick or treating. I mean, same thing with like any TV shows. My favorite was the Halloween episodes. It's just Destin. <laughs> and here we are today. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, hey, you can email us at the unrest podcast at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. We're still looking for those thousand Instagram followers. It's like pulling teeth getting you guys to follow us there. <laughs> You can still win the prize. <laughs> I mean, I've spent the one gift card already, but we will buy you another gift card. <laughs> but until next time, unrest, unrest in peace. peace.